0: and welcome to the pack heavy podcast now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision i call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 56, where today I have Myrna Sels-Lepac, who is the CEO and founder of Bodacious Artisan Foods, also known as Babs. Located in Kelowna, BC, and along with business partner and CEO, Martin McDermott, Babs was launched in January 2021 with two gluten-free flatbread mixes, and more recently, five new plant-based meat alternative SKUs. Their mission is to provide high-quality, easy-to-prepare plant-based foods. Their products consist of seeds and grains, are high in protein and fiber, and are incredibly easy to prepare, and all you need to do is just add water, beer, or wine. In this episode, we cover Myrna's startup story at Babs from the light bulb moment right through to where she is today. We discuss Myrna's approach to obstacles, early sales, and marketing, along with some great discussion on leadership and workplace culture. I really enjoyed my conversation today with Myrna. It was such a great way to wrap up the year. And on that note, I do wish you all a Merry Christmas. I will be returning with the podcast on January 4th with Aaron Skelton, who is the president and CEO of CHFA. Definitely something to look forward to. But before we do kick off into the episode, just a quick word from our sponsors, Food Pack and Futurepreneur Canada. Foodpack is a Vancouver-based company headquartered in Richmond, BC. And having been in business for well over 50 years, it's fair to say that we've got the experience, knowledge and capability required to ensure that you end up with the right flexible package for your business. We specialize in three specific areas at Foodpack. Stock bags, which you could think of as a turnkey solution, custom printed bags, which is my favorite part of the business and what I do best, and our packaging equipment, such as Cipramac vacuum chamber machines, PlexPack band sealers, and Repack tray sealers and thermoformers. So, if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or would like to assess your existing packaging and program, I recommend that you get in touch with me directly by emailing me at haydenfoodpack.ca or by calling me on 604 360 6790. Futurepreneur Canada is the only national nonprofit organization that provides financing, mentoring and support tools to aspiring business owners aged 18 to 39. The key function that Futurepreneur plays is with financing and mentoring where you can access up to $60,000 in financing, which comes paired with an expert business mentor for up to two years and resources to help you plan, manage and grow your business head on down into the show notes and click on the link or head to futurepreneur.ca forward slash where you'll find a great case study to review on a great success story called Oat of the Ordinary and some greater detail on what Futurpreneur offers to budding entrepreneurs exactly like you. So once again, if you're looking to start a business in BC, head to futurepreneur.ca forward slash and sign up now to connect with a Futurepreneur business development manager and learn how Futurpreneur can support you on your entrepreneurship journey.
1: Myrna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Hayden. I'm lo- excited to be here today.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on as well. Um, Just before we kicked off, I did, um, you know, we did take note that you and I met at the Ground Up trade show, which was put on by Andrea Greg Grant a couple of months ago. And I've been fortunate enough to have already interviewed uh, Alchemy, Panella Lemon, and also Bang & Bannock. So you're the f- fourth guest to have on the show from the trade show, and it was an awesome show. And yeah, how have things been since I saw you last?
1: they've been amazing some of the leads that we got from the show are starting to um we're meeting with them and we're starting to build um, business relationships and looking for some good long-term contracts
2: yeah that's so awesome. it's
1: phenomenal because they're not they're not um silos of business that what i would have thought of that were readily apparent to me
2: mm,
0: yeah very very cool for sure and i mean um you know we'll dig into your past history of you know your working um experience and you know your professional career that you've had but my understanding is that babs which, you know, is the organization that you've created now and working in. Um, is this your first um, endeavor in the hospitality in the food manufacturing industry?
1: Oh, it so is. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, is. cool. So that but- trade
0: show would have been a great opportunity to sort of immerse yourself in the industry and, you know, and, um, you know, meet like-minded people. And I can imagine there would have been a val- lot of value in that.
1: There was so much value. In it. The people I met, um, not only the people that attended, but the people that participated. Mm. And the trade, not the trade show, but the training that that was done the day before was was invaluable as well. Like all in all, like for a two day event, it was phenomenal, made a real impact in our business. So I'd encourage people to go to that if they if they get the opportunity.
0: Them. Yeah, there were some great guest speakers on the previous day at the um, uh, at the what's the word? It was not the trade show; it was the day before. It was the conference at the conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was awesome. It was
1: really good, and again, another opportunity to meet more people too, mm. and meet more of the vendors. And like the second day, you're almost like you're their friends. So it was very yeah, fun. I
0: know. Yeah, you built a bit of rapport. Well, that's great. So I always like to start off with an episode going right back to the very start. So where did you from? Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in a little town called Viking, Alberta, mm, never
0: it's
1: 80, heard of it, 80 miles east of Edmonton. It's famous for hockey players, the, the Sutter family that has six brothers that were in the hockey, but there I've more teeth than all of them.
2: Yeah, no doubt.
1: Did you <laughs> grow up on a farm? No, I grew up in town. All oh, right. In okay. town and um, one of my early jobs, well, one of my first jobs was at a pharmacy, but my second job was working in a kitchen at a nursing home. Mm. So that's how I, between that and helping my mom with the five kids and cooking, um, that's where I got my interest in food and my experimental and I got to ask lots of questions and learn lots. So that was yeah. quite a bit
0: of fun. Out of the five kids, um, where were you born? Were you like one second. of the eldest or second? Yep. second okay. Oldest, yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. So you had a lot of little ones to look after over the years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. It, we'd make interesting things. And, um, um, my brother, there were one, three and five of brown eyes and two and four. My brother and I have green eyes. Yeah. So that was how that we divided ourselves, but I would still make food that my brother wouldn't like by adding food coloring or coconut into it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. So what did your parents do when you were growing up?
1: Um, my mom worked as a, in the hospital as a licensed practical nurse. Mm. And my dad had the contract for the town garbage collection.
2: Oh, right. So, okay. And he
1: also was a school bus driver. So, you know, like really, really middle-class and really small town. Yeah. And not much opportunity like you could be a teacher, a nurse, or a bank teller, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I just I just couldn't do that. So I left I left home as soon as I could yeah. and went to the University of Alberta. Um right. and I got a degree, I started in arts, but I ended up with the, getting a degree in home economics because I wanted to be a social worker and they had a family studies program in okay. that. Yeah. And um within that, I also had to take a bunch of foods and nutrition courses and food science courses. And then I started to take business courses because I really like that, mm. as well as the so- psychology and sociology. Um, but I sort of figured, did the math part way through, like I was going to be 21, thinking I was going to be a counselor at 21, like not to be rude, but who's going to listen to me? Yeah. So, at it's 21. It's you know, life experience, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't have any life experience. So the business courses that I took ended up being really good. And I went into sales and quite quickly, I went into real estate sales. I'd always been attracted. And I went into actually started right off the bat in commercial real estate. Okay. Kind of crazy, but I did it. Yeah. Um, and then I a couple of years later, I started my own real estate company and started with doing resident having residential salespeople mm. because that's the bread and butter of the industry. Yeah, and yeah. over the past so that's been oh, for the past like 30 years, I've had real been in in and out of real estate took a break for about 10 years and did consulting in the areas of communication leadership for entrepreneurial companies. And that's really, really been fascinating.
0: Yeah. I saw that on LinkedIn. So in the early days, when you first got into the uh, real estate market, was was there somebody that tucked you under their wing and said, you know what, this is great and you're really good at it. And that was sort of how you developed that skill set and decided to go out on your own in the end? Or was it sort of a a passion and a drive that you... Had I, drive.
1: And I had a really good mentor this this man um, who um, became like just a, a great friend. And he just taught me all kinds of things about the psychology of life and the psychology of thinking successfully and, and being your best self. And I just I've always wanted to and I, I've got words for it now reflect greatness of others. And by having my own brokerage, I was able to do that to reflect greatness of others, and to bring out the best in them so that they could succeed. <laughs> Because yeah. I get more, I get, that's why I'm doing this too. I just can't wait to see how many other people's lives I can enhance. Yeah. i having this business. That's where I get my real joy. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just, it that just makes it fun.
0: Yeah, Lots no fun. doubt. And so over what period of time, and are you still in touch with this mentor now? And
1: he passed away a couple of years ago, but he, I've made friends with his grandson who lives in my community, yeah, which that's is great. quite cool. It's yeah. really quite
0: cool. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. so you're still active in the real estate market as well?
1: No, no. I sold my brokerage four and a half years ago now. Yeah. And um, that was a good thing because it's even being a, ma- a brokerage, like I, it's just, is really time consuming because I had about 50 agents and we, I, I wanted them to call me if they had problems because I wanted to avoid problems before they became yeah. really yeah. monstrous problems. So yeah. it was a really, really busy brokerage. We went from number 36 in the country to number 15 in the country and wow. I four times the top line, 17 times the bottom line. We had an innovative system of running our office so that our agents could do their very best work in the spaces that they're good at. And we took mm-hmm. away all the things that were hard for them. So it was a phenomenal ride, but it was really challenging.
0: Yeah, I can and imagine. And then
1: um, uh, three months after I sold my brokerage, I kept getting these letters in the mail while I was busy selling my brokerage from the the, the BC government um, sends letters to women that are of my my demographic that they need to go get a mammogram and i kept like whatever whatever i'm a, i'm healthy as can be but i finally went at the end of june and um by the end of july i'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and wow. it wasn't wasn't a breast cancer i would have found because it um was a bunch of little crystals in my breast as opposed to a lump so i would okay i would not have known
0: so you were living life without any understanding that this was happening in your body and that would have been and a huge shock
1: it was because i like i think i'm flipping invincible <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, we all do. How could this happen? Yeah,
1: How could this happened to me. So. Um, so it was, it, it was quite an interesting time, because on a Tuesday, my marriage of 30 years ended. And on Thursday, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. And um, then I started to, like, I had to do research, like, what am I going to do? Because I didn't, um, I didn't want to do radiation. Particularly. I didn't want to do chemo stuff. And, and I interviewed a bunch of women. And it seemed that if you had cancer in one breast, it was likely in the next five to eight years, you'd get cancer in the other breast. So I decided to have a double mastectomy at Christmas that year.
2: Mm-hmm. It, was and, that yeah, it was that quick.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're really good service, like incredible yeah. service, incredible yeah. healthcare that we have here. Um, and then um, as I was recovering, I went and visited some friends in on Vancouver Island, actually. And she had had cancer and convinced me that I should perhaps, perhaps, not even perhaps, I should go vegan. I thought, oh. What the heck? I'm always, I was mostly vegetarian all through university. I'm always interested in food. It's kind of fun. And mm. vegan is a plant-based It's a lot less messy. You don't get grease sprangled <laughs> all over your stove. <laughs> yes. so, so I decided I'd try to go plant-based. And then I went to see the oncologist who wanted to put me on a drug to get me a 5% better chance of not having cancer reoccur. And I thought, you know, for and the side effect was um, blood clots. Mm. And so I thought I'll just die on my bathroom floor by myself, or I'll just go plant based and exercise more, and I'll probably get that five percent that way. Yeah. So I don't know. It's been, it'll be coming up. It's four and a half years now. Mm. So far, so good. I feel great. Feel better Mm. than I have. I look better than I have. Yeah. And I'm getting older. (laughs) Like that's not a bad gig, right?
0: Yeah. No. Congratulations.
1: Yeah. So then. So then. Then how'd I get this food? Probably is the next question. right? Yeah. Yeah. Was, so I was really, I'm always quite an experimental cook and I was doing that. I went for a walk with a friend of mine, um, social distancing, just like after COVID had started, we went for a big <laughs> walk in a park. Yeah. And she was talking to me about this. She's trying to set up a, an Amazon store that would sell good, healthy food products. Yep. I said, well, let will make this add water and stir flatbread thing. And it's pretty good, so she tried it and thought it was good. And then we thought maybe I'd change the recipe because I always do that. And every time there's a break in COVID,
2: mm-hmm. I would
1: make like eight samples and go to these little gatherings and have sheets with people having to evaluate the different thing, concoctions. And we finally came up with one, and that was great. Um, so sort of I had to decide if I was going to go into manufacturing. So I thought well, we'll do co-packing. I hadn't quite got there yet, and Thanksgiving rolled around and my niece came and said, "Well, this isn't keto." So I thought, oh. Okay. So then I made a keto flask. second skew. Yep. Skew, And, um, that's starting to come together. And then I tried to get a co-packer for my second skew, my keto and my, the way I turned it into a more keto, higher protein, lower carb was I added almonds and he wouldn't take my product Mm. because he's a plant, uh, a nut free. free. Yeah. I thought, okay. So I went back to the drawing board and I thought, well, I'll just add sunflower seeds because they're good. Add more sunflower seeds. So I did. And um, it turned out that it's as good a product nutritionally and it saved me 30 cents a bag. So it's more cost effective for me and for the consumer. Mm. But it was such an interesting lesson in that moment in time because I learned that every time there's an obstacle, instead of looking at an obstacle, I now look with curiosity. I wonder what's on the other side of this because mm. it's going to be better. I'm having this obstacle because there's something better on the other side. I just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking at obstacles with fear or trepidation, I look at them now with curiosity and interest. Mm-hmm. And it changes the energy so much, so much. And it's been so fascinating to have that. Then early January, as we were getting our bags ready for these two SKUs, I got introduced to a woman who knew a fellow who, oh, I know. In December also, i taken some of the samples to my Pilates instructor. And she looks at it and said, oh, this would make a good burger. It's a a Friday at one. So by Friday at five, I thought I got to make a burger out of this. So I thought of all the things that bugged me about plant-based meat alternatives. Like often they look like fried brains because they lack, lackluster in color. Um, they're low protein. They taste like a bean or a carrot and they don't stick together. They fall apart in my frying pan all the time. So I got thinking about all those, how to solve all those problems. Do you want me to tell you exactly how I solve those problems? Yeah, let do it.
2: Absolutely. You read my
1: label and you'll figure it out anyway. Yeah. But the, the color is just beetroot powder.
0: I noticed that. We cooked up yeah. the um, the breakfast sausage uh, recipe this morning. I made some patties and cooked them up for the family and the kids gobbled it up. Ash, my wife, loved it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I noticed that there was beets in there as well. I thought that was really
2: cool.
1: Yeah. And so that's to get the color so it doesn't look like fried brains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, what was the other thing I didn't like? I didn't, well, I don't like, I like tasting like bean and stuff. So need to backtrack a little bit. It needed to have this, the product needed to have good seasoning. Mm. And in 2014, I donated a kidney to my brother, the one that's (laughs) nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he's quite the cook and he had, since he is a transplant recipient, he has to watch his salt and his sugar intake. Mm. So he'd been creating seasonings for his own use, low sugar, low salt. So I said, hey, I want, can you give me a seasoning? So he gave me this one that's our smoky barbecue seasoning. And that's what I started to use. Yeah. And so that gave it really, really good flavor. And a few weeks before I came up with this, I'd been visiting a friend who'd made some kind of curry dish and added nutritional yeast. And she was Mm -hmm. whining that it had gotten all gummy. And I thought, gummy? I, I need gummy. Gummy yeah. will stick my burgers together. Mm-hmm. So the nutritional yeast beyond being beyond nutritious, mm-hmm. holds the burgers together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then I, then back to January, I was at a strategic alliance meeting with the group that I, I associate with. And I said, I'm doing this. I need help. And this lady connected me with a fellow out of um, Pennsylvania who'd mm-hmm. done a similar product. So I hired him as a consultant for about three months. He thought that's all I needed. He loved the product. He said it and he is vegan Plant-based, plant-based teenage critical girls. Yeah. so I sent him the product, and he said it was the best or the second best he'd ever tasted in that space.
0: Mm.
1: So that's um, great validation. Really great validation. <laughs> teenage girls agreeing to Yeah. And then he made me open my eyes to the idea that we want people to eat our product more than one time a month or a week. Mm-hmm. So that's why I get went back to my brother and got him to create other flavors. Like so, we have smoky barbecue, Italian taco, and the breakfast sausage, and then just a plain one. Yeah. And what I haven't said throughout this is everything that we make is add water and stir. It's a dry mix shelf stable and product. Yeah. So we um it makes it just so much easier. Like it, it's got so many more opportunities like mm-hmm. camping, hiking, um, RVing, military, yeah, it, disaster zones. Like it's got so much application, so yeah. much opportunity. Yeah. And it's more nutrient rich, more dense than like it's got better protein than a hamburger has
2: yeah yeah okay Um,
1: and we we're really dedicated to keeping our new our ingredients really clean so it's a label you can read and ingredients you can trust Mm. because i don't want to have to read multi-syllable words like i like saying jam not marmalade you know my ingredients i want it to be jam not marmalade ingredients i want people to know what they're getting in their bodies and the most complicated ingredient would be the hardest to say would be in the nutritional yeast. Everything else is really really simple.
0: Yeah. It was a straightforward label. I noticed that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's really important to so that it's really clean. We've been talking to nutritionists at major food chains and they can't believe our again our ingredients and the quality of them. Mm-hmm. And um the variety for example of the different sources of fiber that there are because you need different sources of fiber for your body to to operate efficiently. So it's it's just really cool how it's unfolded and then we've we hired a consultant because we're now in the process of getting HACCP certified because Mm -hmm. we want to, we want to be able to go wherever we need to go and be properly certified on, on time. And again, through that relationship, we're making other relationships and other silos that we, we couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm just thrilled with how it's going. It's so much work and is there's so many moving parts, but that, that totally engages me. So I'm, I'm good with you're all in.
2: That's great. I'm
1: all in. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I can tell. So at first you were, I'm sure you were probably blending all of these um, mixes in your kitchen. At what point did you realize that you needed to go into more of a a specialized facility?
1: Pretty much right away because of the quantity. So we, we um, did a co-pack with the lady who is doing other food, um, Mm -hmm. small productions. We went in there only lasted one time. We went into another co-packing facility and um, she, this woman had started a cookie making um, business just when COVID started and oh, wow. she just couldn't hang in there. It was yeah. and her, her, her audience was universities. Yeah. She just couldn't hang in Closed. there. Closed. Yep. Yeah. So we just thought, well, we just got to find our own place. And given that I know so much about real estate and mm. commercial real estate, mm-hmm. we found an old pizza shop yep. that had the right wiring and the right um, the infrastructure plumbing. was
0: already there. That's great. The yeah.
1: was there. It, was, yep. it needed to be cleaned and painted. Um, but it's the right size. Um, it's five minutes from my house, which is really nice. Mm. And we were able to get, you know, good equipment, good deals. Again, that's where my my business partner, Martin, comes into play because he'd previously been in the, the power bar protein powder space. Yep. So he knew lots about this. So he's been able to, to find us our equipment and equip it. And most recently, um, his former production manager, Jason, has come to work with us. So Jason, oh, is, it's it's a phenomenal team. And my old bookkeeper for my real estate company is my bookkeeper. Like yeah. my, my little my little family is growing. So it's it's really lovely. And oh, my daughter-in-law doing a bunch of the research for me for doing press releases and so yep. on. So yep. I've got um I just I just have wonderful people supporting me because I need it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what does your day-to-day look like?
1: I never know. It's a surprise. Um yesterday I made two calls. Um I'm just responding. We did a Canada wide press release. I'm starting to respond to the Canada wide press releases. Mm. I'm getting product sheets out because I've got a fellow that wants to promote our product in Asia. So I've gotten was getting product sheets designed. I have a rep in Toronto that is going to be able to do a demo. Fingers crossed in another two weeks. She needed a sheet to hand out to consumers. So Mm -hmm. I've got, got the, got a designer to do that. So it's, it's going a lot of different directions at once, Mm. but I'm good with that. And I, I just, just, just about the time I, I, when I, about three years ago I got diagnosed through my son and then through my doctor with ADHD. Who knew, (laughs) who knew, (laughs) but it serves me well. And it has served me well to have ADHD, but the days I got to get a lot done, I do take a Ritalin because I think we better, we better focus here.
0: Yeah, focus is critical, isn't it? But I can imagine with so many moving pieces, it would be really hard to sort of prioritize because everything seems like a priority, especially when you're getting a small business off the ground, you know?
1: Everything is a priority. Like I have a private label agreement I need to get done by a lawyer and I have an NDA, two NDAs I need to get out. Yeah. But, you know, like, so everything's a priority, but I think real priority is going to be me finding a good assistant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 100%. So early days, obviously, like this is just all getting launched and off the ground, you know? for all intents and purposes. So what was your initial vision for this business? Was it just a lifestyle business or did you know right from the start, you're like, all right, I'm gonna go national with this. I'm gonna grow this into something that has, you know, full distribution from coast to coast. And I'd love to eventually get down into the States. Like what was your vision? Like what were your goals?
1: That's my vision. And it's not eventually Mm. getting out into the States, it's soon, Okay. like like yet soon. Like I'm way too old to take my time doing this. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And so, and I, I really want Babs, my vision is, I want Babs to be the Kleenex of the dry mix shelf-stable plant-based meat alternatives. Right. That's, so that's my vision every day is we Babs will be the Kleenex when people, because they there'll be imitators There always are, and that's okay. But I want to be the one that they think they're getting.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and,
0: and what's your unique point of differentiation?
1: In ingredients you can read. Yeah. A label, a, a label you can read. Ingredients you can trust. Yeah. And and the add water and stir or wine or beer. Or whatever
0: That's else. just keeping it simple, isn't it? Which it, is it really simple. Yeah. Really
1: really simple. Yeah. And we've recent. We, Martin had the, ever. The time zone of this particular interview is when there's all those um atmospheric rains happening yeah, down in the coast. Oh my gosh. Martin arrived just when those started, and he has not <gasps> been back yet. Yeah. And um, he's met with a fellow who's figured out how to take our product. Add his water mm-hmm. and make burgers out of it very efficiently. Yeah. So we're going to be able to have um, a form of a pre-made burger as well. Yeah. Awesome. So we won't be doing that. We'll be we'll be <gasps> contracting that out. Got yeah. Yeah. Who's
0: that in the background? What's the name now, of your dog?
1: Oh, this is the, this is the funny part. Yeah. That's my dog Baxter. Baxter. And so my the oncologist that wanted me to take the drugs. Yeah. His name was Dr. Baxter. So I thought, oh my God, how could yes. I listen to a do- a doctor with the same name as my dog? I think I'll go plant
0: <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: I know it is hilarious and poor Dr. Baxter. <laughs>
0: Now, tell me a little bit about your early approach to marketing and sales, because obviously there's some really critical pieces. You've got to get the word out about your product, educate people about, you know, how you're different, why they should buy your product and so on. So that's the marketing piece. And then selling, you know, whether it's direct to consumers or whether you're selling direct to other businesses, what's been your approach?
1: It's multifaceted. It's just doing everything we possibly can. We've got reps now pretty much across the country or um, get getting. Like there's gaps there, and certainly we've one in Toronto, and certainly she can't do all of Toronto. But we've got reps across the country, which is helping. Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground, and those boots on the ground are getting us into a national distributor, which will be starting um, probably early in the new year. So that's really positive. Yeah, and then the connections that we're making with, for example, catering companies are going Mm. to change everything. But just for myself, for example, I was meeting um, a friend for coffee yesterday, and I knew that the place we were meeting often serves vegan dinners like fancy vegan dinners. So I took my product and I make a burger ahead of time. And I just chatted with the guy and said, this is what it looks like. And they're going, really? And then I say, now feel it because it's heavy and it doesn't fall apart. And they go, oh my God. So suddenly they're interested, but to sell it just out of the bag is really tough. So COVID's made it more challenging in terms of not being able to show the product, but they're not, I'm not asking them to eat this. They're just getting to see what it looks like as a raw product.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. So
1: that makes all the difference in the world is to actually see it. And then when people taste it, and, and carnivores are going, Wow, this tastes good. My brother's a carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being rather rude about that, but that, and um he he would eat it all the time. Like yeah. find it's find it just fine. And it it doesn't even some people would make it. We want to have a bad Babs burger that's half meat and half our product. Yeah. And that would be a bad Babs burger. He doesn't even do that. He eats it entirely as
0: as yep. our product. Yeah, we, uh, we're meat eaters in our household as well, meat and veggies. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, there's a couple of nights a week where we're plant-based and it's just because there's so much variety out there right now, you know, and it's so easy and accessible. It's never been easier and there's such great alternatives and the price parity is getting better and better all of the time. Oh. Yeah. Which we are Especially
1: with the, the price of meat is going to be skyrocketing. It is. In I know. Parts, right? yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And access right now. Like I think we can go into the grocery store and we can only get one tray of beef. Chicken, oh. there's a little bit more flexibility around chicken in our grocery store, but yeah, we're noticing it already too. But um, yeah, I mean, the cost savings is definitely there at the moment going plant-based, you know, at least for a couple of meals a week in our household and we're really enjoying it and the kids don't know any different and, uh, and the taste is great as well. Like it's really hard to even, you know, if you were to give somebody a blind taste test on something, you know, as simple as like a ground plant-based um, product versus a ground beef, I don't think that they would know at the moment.
1: I don't think they would, but some of them, like I had a friend of mine brought over his favorite one last week.
2: Yeah.
1: His, it wasn't called a patty or shaped like a patty. I would know it wasn't the the nutritionals were horrible. It had three grams of protein, 20 grams of carbs, three grams of fiber.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'm going like, this is not a, this is not a meat alternative like this is just another piece of bread
0: yeah 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 it's all full of filler we've noticed that as well we're very particular with what we buy and the ingredients list as well and yeah absolutely you're right like the when I was when I made the patties this morning I actually made them up last night put them in the fridge overnight to let them set a little bit and then threw them in the frying pan this morning and I was waiting for the flip I'm like okay the flip is gonna really determine you know how this goes and it held just like a real burger would it was really cool and like I said I put them on the plates for the my wife and kids and they gobbled it all up and the kids yeah they were wanting a little bit more but we had no more to give them so that's a really good sign so i wanted to pass it on to you but you know obviously collecting consumer information or getting information back and feedback from your um you know from the people who are either purchasing or willing to purchase the product how do you go about collecting that data because i can imagine like right now you know, even though the pandemic we're sort of not on the tail end of it, but we're sort of seeing the light at the other side of the tunnel right now. When I've been talking to other entrepreneurs out there, sampling and and testing with clients has been really difficult to do. So how have you been actually getting out there and doing that?
1: Oh, I just ask everybody that I know that gets it. And I have a really good group of friends that are um, on the island, for example, and in in the Okanagan Valley. And Martin has good connections in Vancouver and they've been tasting it and testing it. And so they're giving us reviews and feedback. Yeah, great. And so we're getting good feed, really good feedback on it by that and they're they're all willing to and, and people are so helpful, mm. so helpful and 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 so creative. Um, it's it's just been amazing the support that I've had. I'm meeting if we have an introductory pack going on right now where um, all seven of our products in a, in, a, in a bag mm-hmm. um, for 65 dollars and the regular value is about eighty dollars. And a friend of mine I'm going to see tomorrow, says, will you bring me six of those bags? So I know it's not a big deal, but it's a $400 sale. Mm, yeah. Because you want six bags and people are going to start to give it away as Christmas presents and stocking stuffers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I'll get good feed. I'll get feedback because I elicit the feedback and I send people the the google review thing and if one out of five does it like it's still helpful it all helps but if i don't ask it doesn't happen so i have to be really forthright about asking yeah
0: yeah Yeah. i hear um you spoke before about the fact that you are just about to start getting on board with the distributor which is really exciting um and get some distribution out in that world but as you know you know everybody takes a little cut of the margin that you've already got on your product so when you were developing pricing for your products what was your approach did you do a bottom up or you know where you actually costed it out, and then knew that you wanted to take a certain percentage, and you also knew that you had to give percentage away, or yeah. was it that you knew that there was a glass ceiling at the um on the retail shelf, and then you sort of backcast from there? What was your approach?
1: No, we started from the bottom up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, what we found is that different retailers, we have a suggested retail, but different retailers price it differently. Yeah, and so we're just happy with what we get, and whatever they do, they do. Okay. That's the stoic approach. I can't control what they do. So I don't worry about what they do. Like, yeah. But, yeah. but, but so we work, work from our, from our cost up and what, what is the margin that we need yeah. to operate our business and to be successful.
2: Got you. Got you. Understood. And obviously
1: if we sell it ourselves, we make better margins, Yeah. but I never want that to make front, be that front and center. Cause I want our retail partners to be front and center. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's more leverage in retail partners than there is my own, my own store.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. understood. Um, so you mentioned before that you also had an advisor or a consultant that you brought on in the early days as well. Do you have anybody else, like a a core group of advisors that you leverage within the business?
1: I do. I well, I have another advisor who's working with me to get ready for export, Mm -hmm. and I'm have through my consulting business previously working in the leadership area particularly there's a few entrepreneurs that became really good friends Mm. so i consult with them very very regularly and they continually feed me ideas leads and i think i'm going to formalize that process because um people are interested in they're interested in their food they're interested in helping a business grow yeah and it just, it's just so nice to get other opinions. And there's so much to be learned from other industries, because that's what I learned in my consulting is the overlay of what happens in one industry can be applied mm-hmm. to another industry. So mm-hmm. to get seek these people out is really valuable. Right now, though, I think that like, I started thanks to you, because you connected with me on LinkedIn. I got prompted to look at your connections and I'm yep. connected with lots of your connections because I need more food people. I need people yeah. with more expertise in the space because I'm really good at business. I know how to make money, yeah. but I don't know the food space as well as I would like to. Thankfully, I've got Martin and Jason. That makes all the difference. And, and these consultants that I've hired as we've gone along. We have yeah. another consultant. Well, actually, I'm working with three consultants right now, like the HACCP certification, the export fellow. And another fellow helping with the processes to ensure that we do the right process to get our house certification done. Oh, yeah. More All the
0: documentation. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so it's it's and I'm working with a lawyer because I've done trademark work as well. Um, Like I'm I'm one of the things I learned from building the business is I I always build with the end in mind. Yeah. Like I I always like I start it good. I'm not starting it and then thinking oh I better get a better software system so that people understand this. I'm starting with the right staff at the beginning because. Mm-hmm. I'm building it to sell or I'm building it to amalgamate. I'm building it to do something big with, cause I got really big ideas mm-hmm. and I'd rather have a smaller piece of a big thing than a hundred percent of something that's, you know just marginal and isn't making that much impact
0: oh yeah for sure you know um obviously with the end goal in mind like everybody needs to have a vision but they need to also remember to be flexible on you know on the path to getting there how are you remaining flexible like what's your approach to going you know what something's not working or you're testing things and then you know making slight adjustments on the fly what's your approach there
1: well, even in terms of how I'm getting my financial statements designed. Yeah. Because I want to know how much every product line is costing me and what Your the seltzer is exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so and our ingredients commingle. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to keep that track of that. But I want to know that because one day there may be an, a product that we just that needs to go and we'll have that information. Yeah. And I'm just not married to it. Yeah. Like I don't, I like I will make what is it the best decision. Like I like all of them. Yeah. But they may not serve the public.
0: There are no sacred cows.
1: There are no sacred cows. So, ever, and again, just like my example about taking the almonds out and putting in the sunflower seeds, like, yeah, every time. Yeah. There's always a better way. And so, just pausing and not panicking. Yeah. And willing to just wait. What's been going on now? Something I've been having to wait for. I, I think my product sheet, I've been struggling to get, find a graphic designer that could do it quickly. Yeah. And my printer hired someone and she did it like that. She got me a proof. It's good. Um, And so now I've sort of got a private person to do my, my graphic design. Like I said, Brian, my girl, she's my girl now, but I don't need to pay. I only pay Lisa for what she does.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so to have that kind of a relationship makes all the difference in the world. Mm. And I'd like having those relationships. I like people to shine in their space. I'm talking to one young woman who, um, has been in the food space but she's got a two-month- old baby and i said to her this is what i do this is what we do these are the things we need you go home and you write a job description for yourself that suits you and your baby yeah and if there isn't one maybe there will be one later yeah but if there is one you let me know because i'll work because i know how hard it is to be a working mom yeah and he doesn't want she doesn't want to leave home okay well what can we do that you don't need to leave home and yet you could you could support me in this and you could you could make an income so just flexible and open i don't have I don't have preconceived ideas.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, Going back to your consulting business that you started, you were really focusing on communication and leadership and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Now, talk to me a little bit about leadership. I've touched on this topic quite a few times with various guests that I've had on because, you know, when you're a business owner, whether you like it or not, you're a, you're a model of leadership to some degree. Even if you're yeah. a single, you know, you're a person of one, you're a business of one, but you're still leading yourself yeah. because you've got to show some discipline. You've got to get up every morning, know what you've got to achieve, and you've got to hit those targets. So what's yeah. your approach to leadership?
1: I think especially as the business grows, like I've said, I've said this before, but my goal is to reflect is to reflect greatness. I want everybody that works with me to be their very, very best self Mm -hmm. and to, for me to give them the best opportunities. And sometimes the best opportunity might be for them to leave and go somewhere else, but to reflect their greatness. So early on in my, in my first real estate company, um, I was managing, recruiting, training, selling. I was doing everything just to keep the lights on. Yep. And then I got this idea. I wish I'd have written books about this, but I got this idea that if I could just get everybody else to do a little bit more, I could I could do a little bit less mm-hmm. in terms of selling. I didn't want to sell. I wanted to run the company. So I started every morning, I'd wander around and I'd talk to the people that were there and, the, and chat with them. And the first wallet was, oh, how was your son's hockey game? What was going on this, this and that? Then I do the wander around at four o'clock in the afternoon because another crowd would be there. And I hated those inane conversations because I wanted to get to business, but it was like magic. I did it for like about three weeks and it's like the tides turned, the world shifted. And suddenly we weren't having inane conversations. They were saying, I have this challenge. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to work with this client. I don't know how to put structure, this contract. And suddenly we were talking about things and suddenly the volume changed and suddenly I didn't need to sell anymore. So it's, to me, it's more about empowering people, giving them all the tools that they ha- need so that they can do a good job. That's how I like. I sort of envision myself as like walking through a jungle with a machete, and I'm clearing the path so that they can follow easily without yep. encumbrance. That's yep. that's that's how I envision leadership. But I really, I like seeing the best in people and telling them what their best is because often we don't see our own good. We mm. we we're, we're, we are what we define as normal, so we we don't honor it as much as we should. So. I, I like to remind people why they're good, why they bring value to me, what the world sees, how the world sees them, and that, that they're a gift. Mm. And that just, that brings me so much joy. And like my production manager, I have not given him one instruction. I phoned him one day and said, could you stop by my house and pick this up on the way by? It was at eight o'clock. He says, well, I'm already at the plant. I've been here since 630. <laughs> Okay,
0: he rolled in at six thirty on his own. Rolled account. in at
1: six thirty, and nobody told him to. He just yeah. wanted to because he wanted to. He wanted to get his day done. And yep. then he announced to me, "Um, I like Fridays. I kind of want to just take inventory. I want to get it all perfectly clean. I want everything ready for Monday morning." That's a better idea than I would have come up with. Yep. Who might I to argue with that? Like, I just think it's magical. It's just absolutely magical. Yeah. So I just, I'm so excited to see how it and Who else comes into into our lives that that will support this vision? Because yeah. it's good food. It is great opportunity, good opportunity for people to build skills and have businesses that they wouldn't otherwise have. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a vision. <laughs> this, I'll put this one out because I think I met somebody that could help me with this. I think this could be such a great product for disaster relief. Yeah, And it doesn't need to be made by me or here in Canada because it could because it is dry mix, add water, yeah. and it's nutritious. You could eat it raw. Yeah. People that are in disasters could have some good, healthy food that would sustain them. Yeah. and it wouldn't be that expensive
2: yeah yeah
1: so um i'm um through my press release i've met a fellow who interviewed bill gates oh wow so then i can get to bill and melinda gates with my disaster relief idea
0: you can why not but
1: it, like who knows right
0: yeah six degrees of separation
1: yeah and if I don't ask, it won't happen. If I wouldn't have put it out there that I needed this consultant mm-hmm. in January, I would not have seven SKUs. Mm-hmm. I would have had one. Well, I that was have-
0: what I was going to ask as well. Yeah. Obviously, launching with a, a set amount of SKUs, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy because- you, you know, focusing on a couple of skews seems to be some people's approach and then other people like, no, I'm going to hit the ground with multiple skews. So I wanted to ask you about that because I know that you did start off with your flatbread, like your two flatbread skews, which are delicious also, by the way, loved it. Um, However, you've more recently just um, gone out to market with your um, meat based alternatives. And, yeah. um, uh, mixes. So I wanted to ask you, and the other part of, or component of that question was when you are developing a new SKU, what's your approach?
1: I ask people mm. like, what would they like? Mm-hmm. Or I go look at the shelves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like, you know, taco, taco is an obvious one. People like taco. And then I thought oh taco. And then, I looked at, you know, we looked at El Paso or somebody <coughs> like that and I thought, oh, I need to package like El Paso, like in terms of the colors to memory peg, right? Because yeah. we're memory pegs with that. My breakfast sausage looks like a, a sunny thing because it's a memory peg of, of breakfast sausage, even though it's, you know, completely plant-based. Yeah. But I wanted, I knew that if I had one or two skews I wouldn't get the shelf space in retail because it's not enough of an impact. Yeah. This way I have impact and people have choices. Mm. And it's always, I learned to, Early on, if you go to a mall and there's a bunch of shoe stores, pretty much all the shoe stores are owned by the same company. So no matter where you buy, they win. Mm-hmm. So that that philosophy went with me with my plant-based meat alternative cues Because even if they don't want taco, they want smoky barbecue. Yeah. Or they want Italian, then they, I'm I'm you the get choice. get the sale. I, yeah. I get the sale. I'm competing yep. against myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I like competing against myself because that I have control over.
2: Yeah,
0: no, that's fantastic. So when you are talking to people out there, like it sounds like you're just following a lot of your intuition out there. You know, um, you're speaking to your existing clients and potential clients that fit within the demographic that you're targeting as well. Are you looking for a certain amount of feedback or are you looking for, you know, a certain quantity of data to be able to make decisions from? Are you like, no, this is, I can feel it. I've, you know, I've got, I've got an opinion and I think it matters and I'm going to go in this direction. Like, how do you make your decisions?
1: I'm pretty intuitive, but recently this is interesting that you should ask this question. I did um, a demo. I didn't do a demo. I went and was at one of our larger stores here. That's been very, very supportive to us, showed our product, had samples of the product, not for people to eat, but for people to just look at and so on. And this young man approached me and he's in school. And his business is creating data data for analysis so that you know what decisions you're going to make. And he sent right. me his resume. So okay. I'm going to connect with him because I think if I can get the intuitive and the, the intuitive is validated by the yeah. actual data, then mm-hmm. suddenly we really know we're, we're, we've got a home run there. Yeah. So he's just walked into my life as someone that, that will afford me a bit more concrete information. Yeah. And as I go into the marketplace, um, it's, it's not like, I like having data too. I don't, like I'm, I like my gut feel, but um, I still like having data. You need to like, go with like the numbers. numbers. I like validating it. Yeah. And I don't want to have um, a, that confirmation bias either.
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh,
1: early, years ago, we had a, a lighting store. And one of the first things we bought for the lighting store at this show was a gargoyle lamp for the end of a post at a driveway. <laughs> Who wants a gargoyle lamp? Like really, really? And, and, and the person I was with said, we're not buying this for you. We're buying this for the consumer. Yep. Got back to to the store. First thing out the store, gargoyle lamp.
2: Hilarious. That's a good lesson.
1: It was such a good lesson. Okay. So I do not, I, I am okay to have buy, have a gargoyle skew. If it doesn't work for me, it's not about me. It's not, not about me. It's about everyone else.
0: That's a great lesson to learn. Um, you know, you've talked about the wins that you've had and the upcoming wins that you've got on the agenda, but I want to talk to you a little bit more about the particular challenges that you've been confronted with that are memorable because I think that's where the greatest lessons come from. So are there any lessons that you've learned
2: that you'd love to share?
1: Um I think I need sometimes to be clearer about my expectations because mm-hmm. I see the vision and I see the end so clearly that I just, I often assume other people do. And I know better cognitively, I know better, but I still need to paint the vision. Mm. And as an example with our reps, I thought it was obvious that you would take something so that people could actually see what it looked like. Yeah, It's not that obvious. I need to say, this is our selling strategy. This is the way we do things. You need to make a burger, take a burger and just show people, let them feel it in the baggie. Mm-hmm. And that's obvious to me, but it isn't obvious to everyone else and yeah. i need to give grace um when when they're not necessarily thinking like i think mm. so that that's a, a good been a good healthy reminder to me mm. to to be to be clear develop processes and that other people can follow so that i don't have to assume that they're reading my mind because that's not a good that's never a good strategy for business Ever. people can read your mind
0: yeah have you read extreme ownership by jocko Willink? I have not. It's a fantastic book. It's all about, I know extreme ownership sounds extreme in itself, but it's all about understanding that if something isn't necessarily going right, you've got to take full ownership and accountability for it. And for example, like you were just suggesting that your sales team weren't utilizing the approach that you would take. And rather than saying, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you going out and selling it? You've gone and taken the approach of like, well, I obviously haven't been communicating my intent to them, so I need to do a better job like that's taking extreme ownership, you know, over the situation and you can apply that to everything. You can apply that to everything. And it's such a great approach because it solves a lot of problems. <laughs> it
1: does. And it's, it's yeah. about what I can control. I can <clears throat> control that I tell them that this is what yeah. we think is a good strategy. Yeah. I can't control if they do it or not.
2: Yeah, But, yeah. It,
1: but if I don't even t- tell them that, how are they to know, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's yep. about it's about being so clear in your expectations and the vision. And again, I don't mind making mistakes and I don't mind apologizing because mm. If I don't apologize, it's a burden and I I carry it with me. So I just as soon apologize, move on. If people make mistakes, I'm not judging them. I'm happy to forgive and let's just move on. Like what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. We've Mm -hmm. learned. We've Mm -hmm. learned. No blood is spurting. Nobody is dying. We're probably good.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you've experienced having the carpet pulled from underneath your feet, you know, when you found out that you got cancer and, you know, I guess that gives perspective as well. You know, it gives you great perspective because one day everything's great. And then the next day you're like, holy shit. And then you get through it and you're like, okay, I'm going to live life differently. Like, is that sort of the way that you have approached coming out the other side of, you know, beating the battle against cancer as well? And and do you see your frame of mind and the way that you approach life and the way that you're building this business as a reflection of that?
1: I've always been pretty, like really quite positive and really curious And like when I had the cancer, I would, um, I found this song by Karen, somebody it was, I am so blessed. And I would take my iPad to bed with me and I'd play the song. I am so blessed over and over and over again. And then I would get curious about how I would be blessed. And I would Mm. leave it at that
2: Mm -hmm. over
1: and over again. So, um, I also think that the success or failure of this business, and I've no doubt of its success, but if it fails, that does not define me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm here for the ride yeah, and, and the ride will be good. And I've got pretty clear definition of where I want to go at the end for the end game. Yeah. But if it shifts, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay. Because it's other sayings that I have in my head that runs all day long is this or something better. If this isn't working out, hmm, something better on the other side, that curiosity thing. Mm-hmm. And I recently read, <clears throat> I went on a binge for about a month, reading a lot of stuff by Elizabeth Gilbert, who did um, Eat, Pray, Love or something like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that stuck with me so strongly was that there's this fear and curiosity balance. And if you can just stay a tiny bit more curious than fearful, you can keep moving ahead, mm. keep pushing the fear down, keep allowing the, the curiosity to bubble up. It's like I'm, my nose is coming up out of the water, right? Yeah. You're about yep. to drown. No, I'm going to be more curious than fearful. So just yep. keeping that curiosity changes so much for me. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm in wonderment most of the time. Yeah. And I, I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know how this will land. I don't know who I'm going to meet, but it's going to be a cool day regardless. Yeah,
0: no doubt. You know, one thing that I always reflect on, you know, quite frequently is Andrea Gray Grant, who we both know from Good to Grow. Yeah. Yeah. When I interviewed her on the podcast, you know, um, she had come out of a very successful corporate career and decided to go out on her own and that business failed and she was shocked she's like how could somebody with the experience that i have in the industry that i'm working in right now have a business that didn't succeed and she came out the other side of it so much stronger and better off for that failure yeah. and um you know she turned it into uh she turned it into an absolute epic business in good to grow and, and, you know, doing so many amazing things right now. And obviously using all of those lessons that she learned and passing on all of that immense amount of knowledge. And, um, you know, I think about that quite often. I'm like, you know, you can turn these things around like a failure. It's how you define it. And it's what you do with it because, you know, like even somebody like a Conor McGregor, like an amazing athlete, he's like, you either lose and learn or you lose and you kind of lose twice if you're not making, you know, if you're not taking some lesson away from it, you know?
1: And it's so interesting with the Mm. perspective of time, like even Mm. like one of my first jobs out of university is I sold newspaper advertising. Oh God, I didn't like that job. What a battle. Yeah. But now when I'm doing, looking at my graphics for this, I can be critical. No, this isn't good graphics. I know it's with the the passage of time. Yeah. The experiences that we have, they all add so much value. Like in mm-hmm. the failures, do too, because again, you learn. Like I had some really bad bosses. That's yeah. why I wanted to do leadership training. Yeah. Because I wanted, if there's good leaders, there's good workers. If there's good workers, they go home and they, they can have good families. They have good families. We have good kids and good communities. Yeah. So it starts with having good leaders. Yeah. And I, if you have a bad leader, the ripple is bad. You have a good leader, the ripple is wonderful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't
1: it? It is. Yeah. So, yeah, I just it, it, and failure, like to me, when people say no to me, or I just think, oh, you just don't get this. I obviously didn't explain this well enough. Yeah, I'll have to think about how you're going to understand this so that you understand what I really do want or what I need. Yeah, right? like yeah. I just, I just, and if you know, I've had a couple of no's with this business, and I'm just going, you're going to be sorry,
0: <laughs> it's this insane. Is it's a
1: rock star business, you're going to be sorry you were not on board with me early on.
0: Yeah. I'm just pulling up an episode of a podcast episode that I'm listening to right now. It's the Jocko Willink. We just spoke about Jocko because he's writing, he wrote the book Extreme Ownership, but I listen to the Jocko podcast. There yeah. may be some listeners out there that resonate with his, um, his message that he gets across. I mean, it resonates with me. I get a lot out of what Jocko has to say, but he's just on his most recent episode, which is with Jose Hernandez, who was an astronaut grew up really, really humble beginnings. But this guy applied with NASA 11 times before he actually got to a point where he was accepted to go to NASA. And um, it was amazing because it was his childhood dream to become an astronaut. And he saw, his dad sort of sat him down and he's like, if you want to be an astronaut, you have to understand what the steps are to get from A to B and every step in between. And he just followed that like recipe all the way through. But he didn't let those 11 failures define him. Or go you know what i'm just gonna stop he just kept on applying year after year failure after failure and after about the sixth one there was sort of telling a story about he got the the sixth failure and he got the he got the piece of paper like just scrunched up and threw it on the ground and his wife found it on the ground and looked at it and she's like are you like she knew that he was probably giving up on his dream of becoming yeah. an astronaut and she said to him If you don't keep on applying, you're going to go through life always wondering what if. And if you apply a seventh time and you don't get it, just apply again and again and again and again. And then at least you'll die knowing that you gave it your best shot, you know. And so I think that approach is like, you know, you just can't give up on your dreams. You can't give up on your vision. If you know what you want, you obviously have to be really realistic with, you know, the path to getting there. But I think that there's something to be said about determination. And Mm -hmm. there's also got to be something to set about the discipline of applying all you've got in life with the tools that you've got and then getting as much knowledge and getting all of the right network of people around you and sort of doing everything that you can and fighting tooth and nail and having belief in yourself to get what you want. And I think it's completely possible, you know yeah
1: you too and one of the other things i've been learning lately is the question i've been asking myself because i am new in this space Mm. and i'm I'm, i should be retiring now and i'm not ready to yeah but the question i ask myself is not how how am i going to do this Mm. my question is who not Mm. how Mm -hmm. because there are people out there that know how to get me where i need to go yeah i don't have time to learn all i need to learn and i can't learn all i need to do it's a multifaceted business Mm. so my question is who and Mm. you know what your reticular activating system is uh it's red car syndrome, sometimes people call it. When you, see, you buy a red car and suddenly you see every red Oh, you car see it, it everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yes. see it everywhere. Yes, so yep. my
1: reticular activating system is honed in because who can help me? Mm. Who can support me in this journey? So mm-hmm. I'm looking for who, not how. I'm not going to go take lessons on this or that or the other yeah. thing. I'm yeah. finding people that know that already. Yeah. And it changes my perspective. It changes my awareness. It makes me just tingle, just bubbling up to think, hmm, mm-hmm.
2: who,
1: might be I, who might I meet today? Yeah. And they come in unexpected places.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's sort of why I developed this podcast as well. I wanted to sort of build a resource for business owners and operators and entrepreneurs just like you who are really busy, you know, grinding it out in this space in the food-based CPG world, you know, that, you know, so that they can understand that you're not all alone. You know, you're not on in this alone. You can always reach out to somebody that I've interviewed or, you know, there are people out there that can help you and, you know, give you advice and give you direction and as you just said, offer shortcuts. You know, yeah. based on the lessons that they've learned and mistakes so, that they've made. Yeah.
1: So you did the LinkedIn thing that I already mentioned. Yeah. So I connected yeah. with the two people last night yep. on your. So two of yep. them have already got back to me today.
0: Yeah. LinkedIn's awesome. Like that, isn't it? And,
1: and, and yeah. those are people that I need. And I think I need them in my space right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Bring it on.
1: Like, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome.
0: You. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, like we're fast approaching the hour. I've got one more question. And what I would love to know from you is that if we were to fast forward a year from now, and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever,
2: what would it be specifically that you would have accomplished?
1: I would have um, a bunch of people working in my plant. I have Jason as production manager, and I'm looking to getting people like um, from a woman's shelter, or from a men's shelter um, that need to get some job experience. I would have awesome. them working at least 8 hours a day in my plant. Cuz if they're working 8 hours a day in my plant, I obviously have stuff to sell. Yeah. If I have stuff to sell, I'm obviously in stores. Creating and I'm jobs. obviously yeah. maybe down the I5 corridor, which is my true true dream, right? Yeah. So um so it starts with having those people. So if I can have those people producing and with things so that's enhancing their lives. Yeah. And again, you think about the love and the energy that's going to go into the food, mm-hmm. right? And then it mm-hmm. goes out into the world. Yeah. And if I have them working and they're working because I need them working, then everything else is falling into place. It's all good.
0: That's awesome. I'm excited to see it all happen for you.
1: I am too. I can't wait. This or something better.
0: (laughs) Bring it on. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, If there was anybody out there that would love to get some of your product, what's the best way to go about it?
1: Oh, go to our website, which is right now hard to find because I'm still doing SEO. It's buybabs.com. So B-U-Y-B-A-B-Z.com. And we actually have an introductory offer right now with all of our products in it um, that's a, that's a pretty good deal. So.
0: Awesome. And people can find you on LinkedIn as well. They can find me on LinkedIn. Myrna
1: Selsler. You bet.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. It's been really fun, Hayden. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks again for taking the time to tune into today's episode. I would like to briefly mention Food Pack and Futurepreneur Canada are our two show sponsors. Head on down to the show notes and click on the link and have a look on their websites. They both have an enormous amount of value that they can bring into your lives and businesses. Um, two things before we leave. Please leave a rating or review. That would mean the absolute world to me. I can also be contacted if you've got any questions at Hayden at the You can also find me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thanks a lot. See you next week.